Justin, per a note from uh, CNN CEO Chris Licht, Don Lemon will return to CNN this morning on Wednesday, the show this morning, on Wednesday. Quote, he has agreed to participate in formal training as well as continuing to listen and learn. Ooh, that's got to really burn him. Especially as a black man being told that by a white man that you're going to go through training in America today. Uh, is he going to stand for that? I mean, really? What what message does that send? I love these outfits that, as CNN has said, that his sort of comments and behavior is absolutely unacceptable. Well, not absolutely unacceptable. <laughs> it's just sort of kind of unacceptable. To me, if something's unacceptable, you don't accept it. It's like, you're gone. You're out of here. I mean, you know, that's just it. We, we hear this so often from government officials, media outlets, corporations. They'll say a certain behavior is unacceptable, but then their behavior indicates otherwise. Like, well, you kind of, I mean, you seem to be accepting it. I mean, you may come out and say no, but you, you're not dismissing the person responsible for the behavior that you say is unacceptable. Of all, it's, do you wonder at the same time, like, I could get it if you're talking about somebody on CNN that brings in massive amounts of viewers. Like, it's the only guy that is uh, able to take on Fox News. If it weren't for this guy, CNN would have nothing. But the guy, he, he doesn't deliver. I, he's kind of an idiot. This, this is worth... Doing damage to your feminism street cred? This is the guy that you want to spend that on? Ah, this is CNN, I guess. Coming up, Schiff panicking over the release of January 6th footage. The former chairman of the now defunct January 6th committee, Ber uh, Benny Thompson, he issued a statement uh, freaking out over this. It's, it's amazing how the committee... That was set up to make sure that Americans knew about everything that went on on January 6th. Now that some of that hidden information is going to come out, they don't want it to. Hmm. Jason Ryman now with news. We're expecting sunny skies today before we have a chance for some showers and storms to develop later tonight. There is a slight risk for severe storms Wednesday morning and afternoon. The National Weather Service says many places will see the sun come back out after the rain rolls through tomorrow. Meantime, Springfield City Council votes today on whether to use eminent domain to buy the Hotel of Terror in downtown Springfield. The city wants to buy that building so it can fix the Main Street Bridge. The foundation of the Hotel of Terror is right up against the bridge. Springfield police say a man has died after a crash last week involving his bicycle and a van. 79-year-old Samuel Sullivan was riding a bicycle when he was hit by a van at Lakewood and National. He died on Saturday. 
And crews are set to begin resurfacing this week on I-44 in Phelps County. Crews will shift traffic along I-44 from Rolla to St. James. I'm Jason Rima. You're listening to Springfield's Talk 1041. First alert forecast, sunny 63 today. I know Rima kind of mentioned some of this, but here it is again. Slight chance of shower storms tonight, 59. Showers and storms tomorrow, windy, 66 for a high. Sunny and Wednesday on windy on Thursday with a high of 54. Uh, well, you've got House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. And he had uh, some time ago announced that he was open to releasing all of the security footage from the January 6th Capitol Mostly Peaceful Riot. And uh, we've heard that there's anywhere from 14,000 to like 30,000 hours. I mean, there's a lot of hours. Nancy Pelosi tried desperately to keep this from being released. And in fact, some of the video a judge told her you have to release. And it was, I think, pretty clear why she didn't want that video released. And it was because it showed law enforcement opening the doors and welcoming in some of the protesters, which ran contrary to the edited, Soviet-style edited footage that the Democrats through the January 6th committee released. McCarthy has, in terms of media outlet, has, according to reports, released all 14,000 hours to Tucker Carlson. And you have some Democrats that are really flipping out over this. Schiff. Huffed, quote, Kevin McCarthy turned over January 6th videos to right-wing propagandist Tucker Carlson, a man who spews Kremlin talking points, suggests January 6th was a false flag and spreads the big lie. Make no mistake, this isn't about transparency. It's about fueling dangerous conspiracy theories. This is the backwards world that Democrats want you to live in. The people who refuse to release all of the footage are the honest people you should believe that are all about transparency versus the guy and the people who actually want it all released, not edited, but all of it released, they're the conspiracy theories or the conspiracy theorists. Now I've got to tell you what they're 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 setting the stage for. What I suspect, based off of information that has come out in court filings, among other ways, is the FBI had assets, whether they're actual, whether they were informants or these were uh, law enforcement individuals themselves, that were facilitating this. They were stirring it up. They were, in other words, making it happen. And they don't want that footage out there showing it. And the the allegations here that Schiff is making that well, these were handed over and all they're going to do is create conspiracy theories with it. He's tipping his hand a bit because I believe he knows what's coming. 
And so you play, you lay the groundwork ahead of time that, oh, they're just going to create conspiracy theories. Then when there's footage like, oh, well, this guy works for the FBI. This guy we know is so-and-so who has been used by the FBI or, you know, anything like that. Can, they'll just say it's a conspiracy theory. Because if you are a Democrat, that's what you say when you want people not to pay attention to the facts. Now, Adam Schiff, of all people, is the ultimate conspiracy theorist. Adam Schiff is the one that constantly used his position to get in front of the cameras and falsely, knowingly falsely claim that he had the proof that Trump colluded with Russia to rig the election. But we just had to wait, just had to wait for the final reports to come out. And Schiff would later have to acknowledge that he had no such information. They were lies. Now, of course, this doesn't stop CNN. It doesn't stop MSNBC. It doesn't stop the networks from trouting him out so that he can get that narrative going when he is the one that has been caught lying numerous times. He was caught editing text messages editing transcripts, one transcript he released claiming that it was a conversation between Trump and Zelensky where Trump was strong-arming Zelensky and it was soon realized that it was fake and his he tried to claim that he was, oh, he was into the world of entertainment all of a sudden, claimed that, oh no, he meant it as a parody. This is the last guy in the world who should be claiming that having more of the information out there in the hands of somebody like Tucker Carlson, uh, who is a conspiracy theorist, is going to lead people to have false information. You also have Benny uh, Thompson issued a statement hours after Axios broke the news that that footage had been turned over, saying that when the select committee obtained access to U.S. Capitol Police video footage, it was treated with great sensitivity, given concerns about the security of lawmakers, staff, and the Capitol complex. This is the other angle they're going to play, that, that, number one, anyone who is providing this information to the public is a conspiracy theorist that shouldn't be believed. In addition to that, they are a danger. This is the tactic that the Democrats have become increasingly likely to use, and that is declaring anyone who exposes the truth regarding something that they've had their hand in as a danger to this country. And by the way, if you look at history, it does not reflect kindly on those people who behave that way, on people in leadership positions, powerful positions, who declare political oppositions to be a danger to democracy, a danger to the country when they expose the power structure. History does not reflect kindly on them. Unfortunately, there's always a massive number of victims in the wake. A traffic update, I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Floors Plus in Nixa and in Springfield, two very convenient locations, especially if you happen to be in those areas. Convenient for your pocketbook? 0% financing for 12 months. That's quite a deal. 
Nice upgrade, improvement to your home, the value of your home. And they're fully knowledgeable, not just in the products, but the process of installation as well. Had them do my entire home. That's Floors Plus in Nixa and Springfield. All their location info under Nick's endorsements at ksgf.com. I believe it was last week. I talked about uh, an AP article that was attempting, in my assessment, to paint Republicans in Missouri as racist because they were dealing with legislation that, if passed, would allow for the state to fill the justice gap in St. Louis. This is not the first attempt at this. Over the last several years, particularly under Kim Gardner, there's been a disproportionately high number of black victims who have not seen justice. Whether it is a pro-criminal sentiment from Gardner's office or mere incompetence is potentially up for debate, but what is not up for debate is the gap in justice. Now, the way that the brilliant minds at the Associated Press presented it is that a bunch of white lawmakers are trying to take power away from a black woman with no concern whatsoever of black victims. Now, there aren't only, obviously, black victims in St. Louis, but I wanted to read to you a story that gives you a sense of what goes on in that city, in the atmosphere of lawlessness that is fostered by Kim Gardner in that position. A gifted teenage athlete visiting St. Louis for a volleyball tournament was hit by a car, resulting in both her legs having to be amputated. A suspect in the crash has been arrested. Janae Edmondson was walking back to her St. And honestly, I don't know what her race is. There's a photo in, in the picture, and she could be mixed. She could be black. She could be white. She was walking back to her St. Louis hotel with her family Saturday night when she was struck and critically injured, according to Jeff Wismer, the assistant director at Middle Tennessee Volleyball Club. Edmondson played for their 18 blue team and had just committed to playing volleyball in college. Wismer said, a wonderful kid with a great smile, a three-sport athlete. She's lost both her limbs below her waist. So for us, how do you find words to explain our sorrow? We really can't. She suffered critical injuries after getting hit by the car. Being struck around 8.40 p.m. Saturday, according to St. Louis police, a gray Audi Q5 ran a yield sign at the intersection and hit a Chevy Malibu. The Malibu went airborne and hit Edmondson, pinning her between it and a parked car. I mean, you can never imagine, but I I, I just try to think of the times that I've been... I mean, I imagine here she's having a nice time. She's in a, a city that... You know, she's perhaps not been to before, and she's there with her, her teammates, and just walking down the street, bam, bam, life changed forever. 
The teenager suffered critical injuries that resulted in the amputation of both her legs, changing her life forever, KMOV reports. Wismer went on to say, we have frustration. We have anger over any responsible act, a miss sign or whatever, was causation of this. Wismer described Edmondson as a teen with so much promise ahead of her, now she faces a long road to recovery. Quote, the road in front of Janae is tough. There's going to be a lot of challenges ahead, financial challenges, emotional challenges. We're hoping our community can embrace this family as she goes through this unique time in her life that you cannot imagine. This is an unthinkable situation that she has to encounter right now. A GoFundMe account has been created to help the Edmondson family with medical expenses. More than 75000 have been raised. Citizens for a safer downtown St. Louis shared video from the night of the crash which allegedly allegedly shows the driver of the Audi, identified by police as 21-year-old Daniel Riley, failed to yield and hit the Malibu that was crossing the intersection. Riley and a passenger in the Malibu were taken to the hospital with minor injuries. Police allege that Riley struck a vehicle going 20 miles an hour over the speed limit, causing that vehicle to go airborne and hit the teenager. Riley was later arrested for three counts of assault, armed criminal action, operating a vehicle without a valid license. Police allege he was driving 45 miles per hour, which was 20 above the speed limit when the crash happened. Now here's the part that gives St. Louis its personality. A probable cause statement against Riley states he's currently on bond for other pending charges of robbery and armed criminal action. He got a personal recognizance bond in August 2022 on the condition of GPS monitoring and house arrest. The statement goes on to say he has received numerous GPS violations. The last one was just filed last Monday, five days before the crash. So in other words, here's yet another criminal that is on bond for robbery, an armed robbery criminal action. He's given a GPS monitoring, told, all right, we'll let you out, but you have to abide by these conditions. And what numerous means, I don't know, but clearly several or more violations, and he's still out on the streets. The most recent violation, which should have had him right back in jail, was five days before the crash. This is such a a vile problem because it's so solvable. And it is beyond aggravating that when... These individuals who are empowered to go out on the streets when they shouldn't be let out on the streets go out and commit some sort of crime and then the people who are responsible for creating the atmosphere and fostering this this sort of this atmosphere again occurring in a city like St. Louis uh, if guns are involved, they want to blame guns. You know, they, they, they never accept responsibility. And they always want to point the finger elsewhere. I can guarantee you if this were a situation 
and the individual had used a firearm, uh, you would have the people on the left in St. Louis saying that we need more gun control laws. But aside from that, this is why you have people on the state level saying we have got to step in. Because the way that the city of St. Louis is being run is one in which criminals know that they won't be held accountable. They demonstrate the knowledge of that through their their actions. And here you have yet another situation where a person was completely and needlessly damaged in a, in a manner that is going to impact the rest of her life. I can't imagine knowing that if people had done their job, this would not have happened to me. To be crushed, pinned between vehicles in that way. Here you are on your way to college uh, in an athletic capacity and you have to have both of your legs amputated below the waist. by an individual that should have been in jail. But for the willful decision of people that are in charge of protecting the city. But of course, if you listen to the Associated Press, the reason that people like Governor Parson or other Republican lawmakers want to step in and try and turn the tide in a city like St. Louis, it's because they don't like black people. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. Hear about it. Hear about I, I know it. I'm beating a dead horse here. Talk about it. Talk about but it. the hypocrisy and the double standards kind of unreal. On Springfield's Talk 1041. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. First alert forecast sponsored by Navant, employee benefits that work. Partly sunny with a high today of 63, slight chance of. Shower storms tonight, 59. Shower storms tomorrow, 66. Sunny and Wednesday on Thursday with a high of 54. Uh, when um, you make uh, certain decisions in life, sometimes they're massive decisions. Generally speaking, buying a new home is one of those massive decisions. At the same time, it is an industry that so many people have gotten into almost as a hobby which is sort of a weird thing you think about. Because generally speaking, if you are going to hire somebody or work with somebody when it comes to making such a tremendous decision, it's an industry where they've gone to – they've devoted their entire life to it. Um, But it isn't that way when it comes to buying a home oftentimes. And there are thousands of licensed agents in the Springfield area. And so it's easy – if you're just randomly picking or, oh, my uh, my uh, boyfriend's cousin is a real estate agent, so I'll, quote, help her out uh, or help him out. Uh, and then it's something that yeah, he does almost as a side gig. Um, my recommendation is that you go with someone who knows the area, who has a passion for it, does a tremendous job, has a track record, and who works with people that you know. And you know me, and she's worked with me. 
Emily Johnson, House Theory Realty, not just a realtor, broker and owner of House Theory Realty. So it is the opposite end of somebody that, uh, you know, decided to do it to make a little extra cash on the side. For all of your home buying and selling needs, Emily Johnson, House Theory Realty. Byron York, Washington Examiner, The Fetterman Dilemma. John Fetterman sworn in as a senator from Pennsylvania January 3rd on February 8th. After only 36 days in office, Fetterman was admitted to George Washington University Hospital in Washington after experiencing symptoms he and those around him feared might indicate a stroke. Tests showed that he did not have a stroke, and Fetterman was released after two nights in the hospital. On February 15th, after 43 days in office, Fetterman checked himself into Walter Reed National Military Medical Center for treatment of depression. He's still there. Over the weekend, the Wall Street Journal reported that Fetterman, quote, remain, could remain hospitalized for more than a month. Which makes me question how accurate potentially that description is that he just sort of checked himself in. Was this something else? York writes, the Fetterman's problems, of course, include the after effect of a stroke he suffer, suffered on May 13th, 2022, just days before Pennsylvania's Democrat senatorial primary. Fetterman stayed in the race, won his party's nomination, and moved on to the general election campaign at the time. Fetterman, his family, and his political team downplayed the seriousness of his condition. Fetterman's wife, Giselle, called the stroke, quote, a little hiccup. Isn't that kind of her? I mean... God. What a loving wife. Get over it. It's just a little bit of a hiccup. She also told reporters that her husband would be, quote, back on his feet in no time. In contemporary accounts, the event was often called a minor stroke. Now, however, it's widely recognized to have actually been life-threatening. Worse, there are fears that Fetterman, by focusing on his campaign rather than his recovery, permanently damaged his health. See, this is the part where you realize this and you almost feel sorry for the guy. Surrounded by people that through their actions demonstrated they didn't really care about the guy, even his own family. And incidentally... What of his doctor that, according to Fetterman and his, his wife, oh, his doctor said he's perfectly fine. Oh, no, he's fit to go out and campaign. He's fit to serve. Was that a lie? Or was he given really, really, really bad advice by his doctor? This from the New York Times after the life-changing stroke days before the Democratic primary last year, Mr. Fetterman briefly pared down his schedule to recover, but he continued to campaign in one of the most competitive and closely watched Senate races in the nation. Now, the possibility that he may have missed out on a crucial recovery period has become a source of pain and frustration for Mr. Fetterman and people close to him who fear he may suffer now long-term and potentially permanent repercussions. His schedule as a freshman senator has meant that he has continued to push himself in ways that people close to him worry or detrimental. Oh, now they worry? <laughs> Wasn't that convenient for them? 
where were they when it would have mattered? But I'm serious about the doctor component to this, and I know the media doesn't want to cover this because the media covered for him. And frankly, the media was essentially a co-conspirator in pushing him along despite his medical condition. But Fetterman's campaign was out there saying that his doctor said that he was perfectly fine to get out there and to campaign. And now, according to the reports, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, it appears apparent that not only was he not fit, but he may have done irreversible further damage to his, to his life. So either they were lying about the doctor's advice or that's a pretty crappy doctor. All in all, it has not begun well, York writes. It seems obvious now that Fetterman was in no condition to begin a six-year term as a senator. Of course, that was obvious, at least to some people before the election, too. But in 2022, one man's health was so caught up in politics that reasonable concerns were overwhelmed by the partisan fray. The result is a new senator in the hospital facing an uncertain future. Obviously, Pennsylvania Democrats wanted to defeat the Republican Senate candidate, Dr. Oz, particularly because Oz had been endorsed by former President Donald Trump. This is the level of derangement that the left had <clears throat> Excuse me, regarding Trump. And I think that York is on to something here. I don't think it was just to them a regular race. It was because this was one of the races that Trump was heavily involved in. During the primary, he said, Oz is the guy. And they have such a hatred for Trump, they would sacrifice the health and even life of someone that they claim they cared about in order to make sure that did not happen. York notes in the Washington Examiner, Fetterman was not the only Democrat who could have run against Oz. Democratic then-Representative Connor Lamb was in the primary race and lost by double digits to Fetterman. Lamb's loss was attributed in part to the fact that he was too centrist for the liberals who had taken over Democratic politics. One Pennsylvania Democrat told the New York Times of Lamb that, quote, I look at him as another Joe Manchin, referring to the famously centrist Democratic senator from West Virginia. In retrospect, though, it appears that Lamb could have won the seat, just as Fetterman did, because Democrats and their allies in the media were successful in turning much of the race into a referendum on Oz and, by extension, on Trump. After all, Fetterman won after, an, uh, after a debate in which it was clear to all that he had not fully recovered. Voters watched it and still voted for Fetterman. There were so many voters in Pennsylvania who were determined that Oz and Trump could never, ever, ever prevail that Fetterman was likely not the only Democrat who could have taken the seat. But Fetterman himself appeared to want it. It's necessary to say appeared because we never know what's in another person's heart of hearts. In any event, Fetterman and his party blew past the warning signs and went ahead with the campaign. And now in office, he's hit a wall. It is important to remember that it is possible to wish Fetterman the best, to wish him a complete recovery and a good life, and still believe it was a mistake for him to run for Senate and that Pennsylvania would be better served today by another senator. But the situation is what it is, the result of one man, perhaps his family, and certainly his political party wanting something more than was wise given the circumstances. Now, the, the, this is an overview of the lead-up 
to the most recent events in which he has, we're told, checked himself in for depression. And, you know, this whole timeline to me, I don't want to say it seems suspicious, but it seems accommodating towards another reality. And the fact that he was at some event and they claimed he got sick and then he was transferred from there, or not transferred, but immediately after that, checked himself in for depression. There are some of the markings of something else was going on there. Uh, and this is a story to make it look as benign as possible. And, and it could be exactly as they say it. I, it's not unrealistic to you know think of here's a guy that frankly has never really done anything in his life successful. He just hasn't. And he gets put into this position in which he's over his head under normal circumstances. And then he has to deal with a stroke. And, you, you, you know, every day you wake up, you're struggling with that. And then you have potentially another sort of mini episode of sorts, be it not necessarily a stroke. But I, 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 any normal person that would be depressing and you're thinking, I got another five and a half years of this at least. People not letting up on me. I bet you anything. His wife harps on him about this. I bet you she I, she just, uh, there's something about the fact that she wasn't the first person to stand in and say, you're not doing this. You're a father. We need you around for, for our children. But instead, is out there pushing him to do this. Most normal people would be severely depressed under those circumstances. So whether this was as it has been listed, uh, as it has been explained, I mean, the problem is they lied about his health all the way through the campaign, so they can't exactly expect us to trust them now. And it was some sort of little mild episode unrelated to the stroke. And then it just coincidentally, uh, not long after, decided to voluntarily check himself in for mental health issues or something perhaps more severe. Either which way, totally unavoidable. But yet another victim of people who desperately wanted to cling to power. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. And Sarah Myers. Thank you, thank you. When, when something unexpected pops up with it, your home, that can be incredibly frustrating. You know, you think, oh my gosh, how much is this going to cost? When am I going to be able to get this fixed? Who do I hire to get these jobs done? Well, I have an answer for you, and that is Beatles Property Maintenance. Now, Beatles is spelled B-E-A-D-L-E-S. They're a locally family-owned business, and they have been serving the Springfield area for over a decade now. And they do a variety of high-quality property maintenance and and repair services. So if you have an issue with mold remediation, uh, if you have crawl space repairs that need to be done, if you need a vapor barrier installed, if you've had a leak that has went left untreated, Beatles Property Maintenance can help you out with all of those items. Um, but then they can also help you out with some of those smaller day-to-day items as well. Maybe you're wanting to get your deck prepared for spring. Maybe you have some family members coming in uh, to stay with you over the summer and you're wanting to do a bathroom remodel on that guest bath. Beatles Property 
property maintenance can help you out with items like that as well. So if you find yourself in an unexpected situation or if you have some uh, home repairs that you have been planning on, Beatles Property Maintenance, they can help you out with either of those items. Now you can find all of the contact information for Bruce and the Beatles Property Maintenance team at ksgf.com under the Sarah's Endorsements tab. On the American Transmissions talk and text line, um, somebody referencing Fetterman's wife as another Jill Biden, another noting, I think she wants the job, not him. That could very well be. I, you, you never really know what family dynamic is in play. With the Bidens, largely because of Hunter's laptop, we know that those people, they are all just one Jerry Springer soap opera constantly betraying each other, bad-talking each other to one another, trying to leverage their relationship to, you know, with one another. I, it's just toxic. And as we watch the Fetterman situation play out, you can't help but wonder if there aren't similar relationships in play there, people that just use each other. And that's a foreign world to me. I've been very, very, very fortunate. My family, supportive, uplifting of one another. It's, you know, just always about being what I would think of as a family. You love each other. You care, you know, about each other. You, you, you look out for one another. I don't necessarily have any personal experience in this myself, but I will say that uh, I know of someone who at one point was going to embark on a business venture. This was a long, long time ago. And there was a health issue. Uh, I don't recall if it was a heart attack or a stroke or something close to it. But it was serious enough that his family talked him out of the business venture. Because they did not want him stressing himself. They cared about him. They, they talked him out of it. They're like, please don't do this. We love you. We need you around. You have to you know, take care of yourself. You have to let us take care of you. And so it's it's a distant thing, but that's my one experience with someone who was had in the works uh, an endeavor that would have been time consuming, and then had a medical situation and the family reaction. And so whenever I see uh, the the Bidens and and Joe Biden with clear medical issues, but still they encourage him to run, or the Fetterman situation, I, it just to me. When I recognize the behavior of a family that really loves each other and their reaction is, you need to pull back. This is, you know, you need to not do this. And then I see family that takes the opposite approach with their family member with health issues. It just makes me wonder you know, what what that that family unit is, is actually like. And uh, I don't know. I, I'm. I, I look at it as an opportunity to be very, very, very grateful for the family that I have. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. 
Utah governor says Taylor Greene's national divorce proposal is evil. Uh, so she was at a, uh, I don't know, some event. She talked about how maybe it's time for a national divorce. Blue states, you go your way, and red states, we go our way, because the divide is just too big and too deep. And Cox, who's a moderate Republican, blasted the proposal, claiming that it was evil. Uh, all right, bring it down a notch. May not necessarily be the most reasonable proposal, but th- this instinct, particularly of moderate Republicans, to go zero to 60 with no moderation in between, it just sometimes gets a little exhausting. Glenn Beck's next.